Welcome to the First Assembly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and find encouragement through the Holy Spirit. Didn't the kids do an awesome job? You guys can head off. You did so amazing, though. We've been in a series uh, all month called Let the World Sing, and we've been taking some songs, and we've been talking a little bit about what the songs mean and, and, and the message we can get from them. Uh, this morning, our song is Away in a Manger, and uh, I feel like this is a song that you learn when you're a young, young kid. It's just, it's, it's, it just reminds me of being a kid. And it's a song that I've sung forever, for all my life. And I always kind of just thought the manger was just an accident of the story, right? Just Mary and Joseph go on this journey. They go through this big, huge process. They finally get to, to Bethlehem, and they can't find anywhere. And so they just settle for what they can get. And so they settle for this old rotten barn and there's nowhere for the baby Jesus to sleep and so they find this old trough and and they just kind of put the baby in there and they're like well at least I don't have to hold the baby all night we'll just throw it in the trough and and that's kind of how I pictured it all but I wonder if maybe the manger was way more meaningful than that wonder if maybe the manger was actually part of the entire story of what God intended to to unfold. You see, here's the thing. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, there's there's a prophecy that's made. And this prophecy is that the town of Bethlehem is going to become the home, the birthplace of a Savior. So God had this opportunity, and he shared with the world the beginning stages of his plan— This prophecy and Jesus' birth were 700 years apart. I think God had time to come up with a plan that would have been perfect in 700. I was trying to think back to 700 years from today, 1319. I don't even know what the world was like in 1319, but a lot has changed. I know that, that... that the world is a different place. And so God had this opportunity to set this plan up exactly how he wanted it to be set up. And so when Mary and and Joseph show up, God's plan is unfolding exactly how he wanted it. The manger becomes an important piece. And I I think the manger speaks to how God's plan was to unfold. Just a couple of, of things about, about the manger that I, I, I want to point out this morning. And then our kids are going to come back and they're going to blow the roof off it with one giant finale. You're not going to want to miss it. But here's a few things about the manger. That wasn't the blowing off the roof that I thought it was going to be. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
So here's the thing about the manger. I think it was important for the manger to be an important part of this story because Jesus came to satisfy the human condition. And manger, if you actually follow the root word of manger all the way back to the original Latin, well, it actually meant to, to be fed. That's the, the meaning of it, is to be fed. And I think the manger points to this story of of Jesus coming to satisfy all of our human condition, all of our need. All of the things that, that we think we need can be satisfied with this incredible baby, this gift that came at Christmas time. John chapter 6, verse 35 says this, Then Jesus declared, so now this is Jesus' words 30 plus years later. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. So even in his birth, these words ring true. Even in his birth, the manger speaks to Jesus being the bread of life. The second thing that I think the manger points to was it's an announcement to all of us that the kingdom of God is not going to be the type of kingdom that we all expect. I did a quick uh, Google search. I used the Google machine and found that um, I found a little crib for sale. And if you're in the market for a crib, you may want to try this one. Uh, it is a solid gold crib. And if you would like, only if you'd like, uh, you can engrave your baby's name in diamonds on the crib. In case you're wondering, the tag, price tag on this crib uh, starts, it just starts, it doesn't actually, it just starts at $12 million. Yeah. $12 million for a crib. You see, I, I think people expected a Messiah that would come that would be born in a $12 million crib. They expected a Messiah that would come in a palace, ready to take over the world and free the world from, from everything that is inflicting it. But the plan, 700 years before as it was announced, the plan as it unfolds is that Jesus would come and would create a kingdom where humility would be the centerpiece. Not the things that we think are important, but the things that God knows is important. First Peter 5, verse 6 and 7 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Christmas is an interesting season, because it comes with so many emotions. For a lot of people, Christmas is joyous. It's in this incredible season where we get gifts and we get all these things and we get to spend time with family. For other people, though, Christmas can be lonely. It can bring up memories of family that aren't with us anymore. It can bring up memories of Christmases that did not go as planned in the past and hurt begins to well up. But Jesus' kingdom comes so that you can cast all your anxiety on him. He came to set up a kingdom that was different and not like what man thought would come. Thirdly, and I was thinking about this story, and um, 
you know, Mary and Joseph show up in Bethlehem, can't find anything, and so they find an innkeeper. And the innkeeper goes, I have no rooms, but you can take the barn. You can take the manger that's in the back. And I, I'd like to think that he didn't do it at a, just get out of, off my front step, but that he did it because he gave what he could. And in this season, I hope that we become like the innkeeper, where we give what we can. You know, Christmas, um, it's all about gifts with, with kids. What did you write on your list for Santa? When you sat on Santa's lap, some of you are old and you still sat on Santa's lap and you still told him all the things that you wanted. And Christmas can be focused on that, all the things that I'm going to get. What am I going to get? What's, what's my mom getting me? What's my wife getting me? What, what are my kids getting me? Um, what are my kids opening that I'm going to be surprised that I gave them? All these things that are about the Christmas spirit. But I wonder if we could focus more on the innkeeper and just say, you know what? I'm going to give out of the small things that I have, the, the little things that I've got. I'm going to give the way the innkeeper opened up and said, all I've got is this, but you're, you're welcome to it. I think that speaks to this incredible scene around an old, rusty, boarded-up, disgusting manger. My, uh, my, my, when I was 10, uh, maybe 11, um, Christmas time, I really wanted a, a bike. Like, I really, really wanted a bike. And so Christmas came, and of course you show up, and you're looking at the tree, and you're like, okay, nothing's shaped like a bike. Okay, so right away you're into like this... Christmas sucks. Nothing under the tree looks like a bike. And so we opened our gifts, and I got one last gift that I was given, and I picked it up, and it was shaped like a book. It had the weight of a book. I wanted a bike, and I knew I was opening a book, and I was going to have to pretend I was excited about a stupid book. And I opened this present, and my mom fooled me. It wasn't a book. There was a note in the present. And the note instructed me to go to a certain spot in the house. And so I went to the certain spot in the house thinking there was going to be a bike. And so I'd run into the room that it told me to go to. And nope, there's another box shaped like a book. And I opened that present. And there was another note. And I got on this treasure hunt that led me to like four or five different locations until finally the last present I opened told me to go to the garage. And as I walked into the garage, there in the middle of the garage, was a book. No, I'm just kidding. It was a bike. It was a bike. I got my bike. This became an incredible tradition in my house that we carry out today. My kids now will open gifts, and there will be notes in there from Grandma telling them to go all over the house looking for a gift. But it became this. All of my siblings, when we woke up on Christmas morning, for years, we always looked for the smallest gift. Who was getting the smallest gift? Because if you got the smallest gift, it meant you got the best gift. It meant that your gift was too extravagant to be under the tree, and so you had to go find it somewhere. I think... The story of the manger is a lot like that. This insignificant manger 
actually packs with it the most incredible gift that has ever been bestowed to humanity. It started with a manger, and as you go on that hunt and you begin to see the things that God's going to do in your life, you begin to see that this gift is going to be amazing. I want my kids to be on that hunt with their relationship with Jesus. I think the manger was a central piece to exactly how God was going to share this incredible moment of the birth of his son, of a savior that came for you and for me. I think it was intentional. I don't think it was a mistake. I don't think Mary just kind of looked around and thought, whatever, I'll just put him somewhere. No, no, no. I, you, know why, you know why I think that? Because even when the angels announced it to the shepherds, what did the angels say? You will find the baby wrapped in clothes in cloth and lying in a manger. It was God's introduction. I always think of the Lion King holding the lion cub over the, and everybody's singing. And that was God's way of holding the Lion King up. Here's the manger. This is my son. This is, this is who's going to change the world. And it was a manger he used to introduce them. Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for this time of year that we get to celebrate a savior that came for us. God, I pray that every person in this room would know that Savior. That it would be personal. That they would take the time to stop and look at the manger for the incredible gift that it is. God, this Christmas season, I pray we wouldn't get so busy doing Christmas that we wouldn't stop and see the gift that was given for each of us. God, thank you for that gift. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to finish off. Thank you. We're going to finish off with one more song. And here's what I need from you. The kids are going to come at some point, hopefully not leaving me up here too long, waiting for them. Okay? I'm going to sing the final song. All right, the kids are coming. Here's what I need you to do. This song is going to require you to cheer. It's going to song, this song is going to require you to be loud. Some of you may even want to stand and clap. Some of you may want to even dance. If any of you know how to floss, you're more than welcome to go ahead and do that. If you don't know what flossing is, just waltz. I, it, just waltz, okay? But we're going to celebrate one final time with all of our kids as they proclaim this incredible gift of a Savior. You guys ready? You guys are ready. Are you guys ready? All right, keep moving in. Here we go. Thank you so much for listening to this message. We pray that you have received truth and have been encouraged. For more information about First Assembly, how to get connected, and to listen to our latest worship albums, please visit our website at www.fa.church. 